and welcome to an extra Sound of the League, where myself and Jack sat down with Graham Hunter to have a quick chat regarding the upcoming Classical, which takes place on Sunday. Graham, thanks very much for coming back on to Sound of the League to discuss the small matter of the world football's biggest game. Now, personally, having watched countless Classicals over the last 25 years, it's a game, as a fan, you can't call, regardless of the league position or how one team's recent form has been filtered now. How are you seeing this match play out? I think I, I, I'll be delighted after this Champions League week, and I think it's only fair to the listeners that we make clear we're speaking before Barca have played um, against Juventus. I think that uh, my clear-cut view that Real Madrid were going to be too mobile, too too good, too organised, too confident for Barcelona has been a little bit reduced by the way in which Bayern Munich kept the ball off Real Madrid. Um, found it easy to dominate in the Bernabeu. Not that I, I don't want Real Madrid to win at all, but that your point is that this should be a game where we have to use all our senses to work out how it's going to go and who's going to win, that it shouldn't be clear-cut. And my impression was that it was going to be very clear-cut and that effectively all the things that Barcelona are doing badly, and I sat listening to Anders in yesterday in the press conference yesterday saying how irregular they are this season, how their biggest fault is a lack of consistency, particularly on the road. Well, that lack of consistency, that inability to keep the ball and to weather pressure by passing themselves out of trouble, those things that have diminished so greatly along with the pressing made Barca look like victims uh, coming into Sunday's match, in my view. Now, there's just a slight um, change in calibration in my view because I do not for a second think that Barcelona will cure their ills between now and Sunday and suddenly become absolutely reliable and brilliant in possession. However, Madrid just oscillate between looking brutally impressive, which often this season they have to me. I've actually enjoyed their season a lot. But a home against Atletico Madrid... And then at home against um, Bayern, they look less sure of themselves than on the road. I think repeatedly on the road, it suits them to play a a brand of game which is much more uh, muscular, which is much less dependent on producing a spectacle. And therefore, that might even out a little bit. I think Madrid have to go in as as favourites. But do, do I think that there's... It's going to be more testing for us to try and work out who wins after this week's games. I do a little bit, yeah. Uh, Graham, particularly throughout this season, a lot has been made in the press of the state of Barcelona's midfield. Uh, quite often, Luis Enrique has seemingly bypassed that just to, to go as direct as possible to Messi, Neymar and Suarez. Do you feel that against a side like Madrid, you can't really afford to do that and you do need to have a midfield that can control the control possession and really have a, a strong influence on the game. And if so, who would be your ideal midfield for the for the upcoming match? I, I think, um, Jack, that it's a kind of gigantic question you've asked there because it, this, this, the system that Luis Enrique has opted for is fine if you make sure that it functions perfectly all the time if you can defend in a wholly different way than Barcelona are used to. So if this was a 
a squad, never mind a team, which was wholly used to, again, being ebb and flow, playground football, back and forward. So to go to, like, <clears throat> a stadium where um, Rimmer did play the way they do, I think, Jack, that the, this brand of football that uh, Lucien Enrique has uh, become, become known for, become sometimes by uh, some fans derided for, means that you're playing a direct or more direct, less elaborate brand of football that Real Madrid, are, I think, are better at. And Barcelona's defence, or sorry, Barcelona's defending hasn't been based on Kante-style, Casemiro-style athleticism. Doggy runs, plug the gaps, win a physical challenge, get the ball, give it. It's It's been based upon holding the ball better tiring other teams out, pushing and pulling them around. Now, if you go to the, the brand of football that Luis Enrique has said, the front three, and, and the, I hear the players endorsing it too. What you can never tell until after after an era has declined is whether the players are telling you the absolute truth or not. But what they'll say to you, even in discussion, not just on the record, the players will say the, the, the three up front are miraculous. They need less work done for them to create a goal-scoring chance than used to be the case. Therefore, give them the ball. Okay, fine. But what has what has happened, what has declined, is that because Barcelona, if you look at Busquets and Iniesta, they, neither of them have claimed to be ultra-athletes. They've both got tremendous technique and tremendous football vision and brains. But the brand of football that Barcelona endorses at the moment means that they're having to run a lot. They're having to run and recuperate and recover. And, and in my view... One of the principal flaws, not just for this classical, Jack, is that they've taken a series of Olympic gold medal-winning 100-meter runners and said to them, oh, no, fuck, the, the rules have changed, lads. You're running 5,000 meters now. Well, what kind of result are you going to get from that? And I think that's been the key Pandora's box element of saying it's a good idea to get Neymar, Suarez and Messi fed quickly because they can resolve the 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 on-pitch problems up front much more easily than used to be the case when the strikers, right from Rijkaard taking over to now, when, when Henrik Larsson came to the camp now, used to making a run and being given the ball when he made a run at Celtic or for Sweden, to having to learn the system. David Villa the same, Slatan Ibrahimovic the same. Strikers did or didn't learn that Thierry Henry explains it brilliantly in the documentary that that we've been making out of my Barca book, that you have to set aside ego. You have to make a run knowing that eight or nine times out of ten, you won't get the ball. Now, it's gone back to a system whereby when the front three make their runs, they get the ball. What that, what that leaves you with when the ball is lost, as strikers inevitably do, that leaves you with is... is players who are unused to having to gallop around the pitch to recuperate the ball doing so and therefore being less effective when they've got the ball or looking powder puff when they get beaten on the road in Paris or Malaga or La Coruña or Vigo or Turin and therefore I know you know this Jack but you asked me a question so I'll answer the right way every piece of defending is a system no matter how you basic or simple that system might be in in the case of uh, Bobby Gould's Wimbledon or a very intricate system in the case of Barca under Guardiola. And right now, it's, it's not the fact that the midfield is shit. It just isn't. What is the case is that there's a, 
a disconnect between the way the midfield is built to play and the way that the current system is asking it to play. That, that's my honest opinion. And therefore, I have no doubt whatsoever that either, and this is on the road or at the camp now, Barcelona need to say to Leo Messi, you're brilliant, you're the best, but you can't play just anywhere you choose to. You can't. If we're playing 4-3-3, you can't start on the right wing and then just drift into a number 10 position or deep-lying midfielder position because that leaves a gap and we can no longer fill it. Either they, they do that radical thing of saying to Leo Messi, you, you must occupy a position and your liberty to invent is regulated a little bit by switching with Suarez or switching with Neymar or cross runs or we'll play you at false nine again and waste loose Suarez outright, whatever. But this Either they say to him, you can't simply drop back and quarterback or they say you can do that and we must play 3-4-3. Three, three. But 3-4-3 three, three in the road is, is a system where you have to be utterly brilliant at it. And they proved that taking 3-4-3 three, three in the road is slightly too much of a risk for them right now. At the camp now, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that if Messi's allowed to play the way he wants, it must be a 3-4-3 to compensate in midfield and to get somebody playing up high right so that the left-back isn't left on his own to either squeeze in and block Barcelona's attacks or start a free uh, counter-attack down his left side because Messi isn't there. So does that bring me to a conclusion about who should play Sunday night? (laughs) Assuming everybody's fit. Jack, in my opinion, he'll play 4-3-3. In my opinion, if everybody's fit, he'll probably play Rakitic, Busquets, Iniesta. But I, I think the only way to control the game or to try to control the midfield and impose themselves the way that Bayern showed would be to take a risk and play 3-4-3 from a Barca point of view. Graham, Neymar obviously won't be playing and this can obviously be seen as a massive loss of Barcelona. But I'd be curious to know, especially from a fan's point of view, would a club anyway heavy-handed with a player for basically stupidly getting themselves sent off? Why do you say heavy-handed? What are you referring to? Well, when you, when you watch the match, Graham, with the sending off, it was it was petty, it was silly, it was immature. What? Okay, let me ask you, what was what was immature or silly about it? Well, Graham, you're going to tie a lace in front of the referee when, now when you've the got, free okay. kicks. That's why I'm asking you, because I'm on this podcast because I respect what you do. I wasn't being a bully, but I wanted to hear that answer, because that's right. That's just, it was, one, it was infantile, and two, there is a very deep suspicion, as you very well know, that he was advertising, as he, in my opinion, he has been for weeks, dropping off the pitch after 15 minutes to untie or change boots, which were fine in the warm-up. I, I, my opinion, and it's not factual, but it is my opinion, is that he was doing a little bit of advertising. And the fact that he tied his laces in front of the free kick down at Malaga corresponded to the Friday press conference when Luis Enrique said, yeah, I'd rather he got, he took one minute to get his boots right and played happily for 89 minutes. But when he's on a touchline, we're a man down and it is a, it is a disadvantage and we'll have to try and make sure that it doesn't happen again. <laughs> and as soon as those 24 hours later, or just over 24 hours later, when the, those words were out of his mouth, Neymar isn't. Messing about with his boots on the touchline, he's messing about with his boots in full camera shot in front of the free kick, gets booked the second book is a red card. There are hard-nosed serial winners in that team who'll be going, what are you up to? <laughs> or, or maybe even stronger words. Mm, 
as I think I said to you before, uh, at times like that, I kind of wish the likes of Stoichkov and Puyol were still knocking around because I don't think they'd have, especially Stoichkov wouldn't have broken something yeah, that, like that. that. Now you're starting to talk not just about strong words, but strong deeds, I think. Yeah. You? <laughs> oh, it's just, it was just frustrating, Graham, as I said. As a fan, we're, we're coming to the, near the end of the season. We we had a bit of momentum. It's it's just, it's just it, It's a hard pill to swallow, especially from a talented player that seems to be dictated by outside forces. Everybody makes choices themselves. And and it's worth saying again, it's only my opinion. I can't say it's a fact that that's what Neymar was up to. And that isn't a crime by law. It's just something that if he was doing it for that reason, it's something that I would criticise. But we have to accept. And I'm only objecting to your phrase. Everybody makes their own choices. If if somebody's asking him to, to do something like that, if he's influenced by the contract or by a representative or a family member you take your choices with you onto the pitch it's clear that it, it was a wrong choice anyway whether it was just an innocent you know laces are undone I'll tie my laces here it was a wrong action because it got him booked and ultimately got sent off and it means that you know from I, I, I look at the, the classical from a, from a neutral point of view from a point of view of being interested about each side's prospects and each side's strategy and tactics and momentum and confidence and personalities but strictly from the Barca point of view it's clearly a disadvantage that he's not playing, and it's self-inflicted. Um, Graham, uh, another question. Going well right throughout the season, we've seen whenever Luis Enrique rotates, quite often it's backfired. For example, at home against Alaves, uh, on the road against Celta. Whereas Madrid, whenever Zidane rotates his side and makes quite wholesale changes despite them seemingly struggling, for example, last weekend against Sporting, they still have the ability to, to come through difficult games and kind of win out of nowhere. With totally agree, Jack, totally agree. A very late winner. Would, you, would it be fair to say that the league title this season will be won on strength and depth and who purely has the better squad as opposed to... It is my anticipation. It is my anticipation that Madrid win the title. That that's what I think is going to happen. I, I, you know, I'm not trumpeting it like it's definitely right. It's just my opinion that there are too many things, and I think you could list probably four or five significant things that are in favour of Madrid winning the title. And I also think that they would merit being champions. That's my view. Without being pedantic, Jack, the only word I'd pick you up on is better squad. Better squad, maybe. Certainly better performing squad. The things that I look at to try and back up my question about that word would be, it's clear that there are, or at least in my view, there are players at Football Club Barcelona who might still come good. It's a very unpopular sentiment, but I, for one, as a football watcher, I haven't given up on Andre Gomez. The guy who is was relatively young at Valencia, bailing water desperately out of a sinking ship. Very stressful, very undermining to your confidence. He sold while playing all summer for the first time in his career to, to win a tournament and to win a senior tournament. It's not the World Cup, but I remember Zidane saying that when they won the World Cup, it took him until the Christmas, maybe even the January, to recover uh, psychologically, spiritually from the, the steamroller effect of saying we're world champions. Well, Portugal... I think haven't won a senior title. He yet they go and do it. Um, I'd imagine for Zidane at the stage that he was saying that about the impact of 1998 on him was 
was a fully-fledged, hard-bitten footballer, already at Juventus, having punched his way to a European final with Bordeaux, therefore more experienced than Andre Gomez. Andre Gomez must have felt a physical and mental impact of having played all summer, having been in a shitstorm at Valencia, and then arriving at the camp now, where it is traditionally horrendously difficult to adapt and learn. <laughs> is there a chance that we're not seeing the real Andre Gomez? Well, I say fucking for sure. If Thierry Henry took a year to acclimatise, Yaya Touré took a year to acclimatise, there are more instances of people who, t- Abidal took that long to acclimatise, maybe even more. If you want to compare and contrast, it's my opinion, Jack, that if you look at um, Lucas, been at the club longer, out on loan, had to fight his way back, had to prove his worth. Um, Carvajal grew up at the club, understands the club's spirit and personality, gets um, sold to Bayer Leverkusen, brilliant foreign player of the year in the Bundesliga, cuts his teeth, comes back a fully made man in football terms ready and I think you could continue to go through the squad and say Isco is Isco a first team player or a sub well Isco and Lucas Hernandez are the two most used players all season for Real Madrid not the two with the biggest number of starts but does that how does that make them feel what experience does that give them Isco has won um, the Champions League twice does that apply to Arda or Andre Gomez or Denis Suarez or Luca Digne or even Mtiti who's been an outright success? No, it doesn't. So it's clearly the case that either your word was right that some of the Barcelona squad aren't good enough, which is a possibility, or the two squads are at different levels of development and Madrid are more effective in their player numbers 12 to 18 because Morata scores goals, Asensio scores. Morata, another guy who's, if I'm not wrong, I think he scored Juventus's goal. That's off the top of my head in the Champions League final. He, he's he's learned with Juve having come up through the ranks at Real Madrid. There are a clutch of players who are significantly ahead in their development over Oka Basona. Therefore, all I would object, all I would sorry not object to, I'd worry about is saying, saying they are just better. I think it might go on to be proved that, that Dennis Suarez isn't, for all his technique, impactful enough to be a leading FC Barcelona player. I think. I'm not. I think Luca Dina right now on Alba's form. I think there's a tight squeeze between them, which is the first choice left back. But um, I think Gomez has got time. I think it's a damn shame that Arda can't stay fit because his technique is brilliant. Umtiti's an outright success. Sillison began to look as if he'd grown up at the camp now. That's my opinion on having met him when he first joined and then having met him six months in. But right now, I think overall, in the in the league title chase, that is the determining factor. Yes, I agree with you. Graham, last question before you go. Give me a score prediction on the match. Uh, thank you for that one, eh? That's a fucking... Beauty, isn't it? <laughs> Ah, look, um, I'd, I'll start by saying I don't know. I, I, I'll say that if the two teams play to their regular form, Madrid should win. And if the two teams play to their regular form, 
if Juve can take three and Paris can take four and Vigo can score four, albeit conceding three, if Athletic Bilbao can win four, they're on regular form, uh, Madrid should win by two. As we said, as you introduced it, Glasgow is a strange beast. There is just this first inkling during the last two home Madrid games that they are looking a little bit weary of having to make the game at home. There was a very clear weather vane indication against uh, Bayern Munich that if the other side, here's a theme, lads, can keep the ball well, Madrid don't look as happy to go chasing it. So, given that it ain't a normal fixture, and given that we still haven't seen Barcelona playing as we speak now against Juventus, I'm going to have to say... Single goal win for Madrid. There you are. So we're not going to see a Paco Alcacer masterclass, no? I'd like him to, to have um, an end of the season where, where he demonstrates what he's got. I'm not sure he's elite. I think it's very ironic that Barcelona have betrayed their own abiding philosophy by saying goodbye, Sandro, goodbye, Munir. These guys haven't been sold. Paco Alcacer caught a lot, cost a lot of money. The differential between the three uh, is that Munir and Sandro have gone to struggling teams and performed quite well and scored reasonable numbers of goals, scored or made reasonable numbers of goals. Whereas poor old Paco Akathar, whatever he does have, and he's a technically able, intelligent footballer who's had to relearn everything. He's not a starter. He's not a leader. He's... His movement needs to be different. His choices need to be different. But when you're not playing, how the fuck, if you don't mind, if your mums aren't listening, (laughs) you learn the Barcelona system without fucking playing. So what was the point in moving both Munir and Sandro out and spending up to 30-something, 30 million euros on Paco Cather? But he ain't a bad striker. He's not a poor footballer. And I will tell you now, particularly the senior players, like him and recognise his effort and his attitude. And I know it's the case that there have been stages of the season where Messi's been saying, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find him a goal. I'm gonna, if he's on the pitch, I'm going to look for him. He needs a boost, he needs a goal. That's my target. So um, whether it be Sunday or not, I hope that Alcacer finished the season as much for himself as anybody else by showing his ability, showing his worth, making choices that are based on what he understands he should be doing rather than guessing what he should be doing. And and finally, we still don't know, based on what I was saying, arguing about the Barcelona squad and the new guys maybe still having a second life, some of them. We still don't know fully whether the director of football at Camp Nou, Robert Fernandes, is, is very good or not. But, he came out with a good argument recently where he said, listen, Alcacer, we've got no idea. We've got no thought of getting rid of him this summer because if we do, we need a fourth forward again. We spend lots of money. We have to, the guy has to relearn the system. We go through all the same problems again. We stick with Paco Alcacer. Now, maybe he was telling the truth. Maybe he wasn't, but it was a sensible thing to say. And it's a sensible thing to do to hold your bet, hold your nerve. But for a decent guy, again, whether it be against Madrid or not, I'd very much like to see Alcacer finishing the season um, in, in a way that replenishes his confidence. Graham, thanks very much for that. Pleasure, lads. Enjoy your football. And um, I, I know from your point of view, no, I don't know about you, Jack, but I know from your point of view, Gab, you hope I'm wrong. 
But you asked me for a prediction, and I would claim that <clears throat> they're not my specialty. Dr. Willis and Graham, as always, you're a gentleman and a scholar. Take it easy. Enjoy La Liga. Cheers, lads. And make sure you check out the previous Sound of La Liga podcast and anything else attached to World Football Index. Mm-hmm.